Welcome to Ask the Chief Information Officer on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. Now your host, Jason Miller. Welcome to the program. My guests today are Rear Admiral Kevin Lunday, the U.S. Coast Guard Commander, Coast Guard Cyber Command, and Assistant Commandant for Command, Control, Communications, Computers, and IT, or C4IT. Admiral Lunday, welcome to the program. Thank you, Jason. It's great to be here. My guest also is Brian Burns, the Acting Chief Information Officer and Acting Deputy Assistant Commandant for C4IT of the U.S. Coast Guard. Brian, welcome, I guess, back to the show. Good to have you kind of back on the show, so welcome. Thank you. Let's just start at the beginning. For both of you, it's it's been about a year you've kind of been at the Coast Guard in, in your separate positions. So let me start with Admiral Linde. Talk about your transition. Talk a little bit about your background as well. How did you end up in this Cyber Command uh, position? Well, I was excited to come back to the Coast Guard last year after two years as the Director of Exercises and Training the J-7 at U.S. Cyber Command. And so coming out of the joint assignment back into the Coast Guard, in both of those positions, Coast Guard Cyber and Assistant Commandant for C4IT. Uh, so it's great to be back and bring some of that uh, expertise and learning I did with the Joint Force and DOD back with the Coast Guard. Is that a big change, the Joint Force back to the Coast Guard? I mean, with the Joint Force, you kind of have to take everybody's feelings into account. Coast Guard, you can just kind of go back to home in many ways. It's actually not that much of a transition, Jason, because as you know, the Coast Guard is one of the five armed forces and fully part of the Joint Force. And in fact, more recently in the last year, we've deepened our ties and commitment with the Department of Defense, particularly in cyberspace operations and cybersecurity. Uh, and so that wasn't that much of a change. But we've got deep ties with the Department of Defense. Uh, in fact, as Brian and I came in last year, Tom Michelli was in the CIO position. He's still actually the CIO, but he's been on detail with the Department of Defense since February. And he's detailed as the acting principal deputy Chief Information Officer for the Department of Defense. Um, we also have other connections. Uh, Vice Admiral Marshall Lytle is the Director Joint Staff, J6, at uh, DOD. And Dave Dermanelian relieved me up at U.S. Cybercom, J7. So we're, we've got a strong, strong presence up at DOD. Someone would be worried that maybe the Coast Guard's trying to take over, but I, I know that's not the case. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Commandant often says we punch above our weight class, but uh, we're a proud member of the Joint Force. Um, although, of course, the Coast Guard sits not within DOD, but within the Department of Homeland Security. All right, Brian, let me turn to you now. Uh, you've spent time in the military in terms of uh, working for the Navy. You worked for the Air Force, the, I think DOD broadly. Talk about your transition to the Coast Guard. As as Admiral Lunday said, it's not much of a change because you are part of the five services. Well, I was very excited to join the Coast Guard about a year ago. As you know, we were both um, a military or organization, and we had the military service mission we also have a law enforcement mission, so it's a great opportunity to bridge between the DHS mission and also the DOD mission in serving in, in, in multiple capacities in order to provide service to our country uh, in a variety of different ways. Was there much of a transition for you? I mean, you got to learn maybe some of the Coast Guard culture or learn some of the Coast Guard ways and processes, but a lot of times what I hear from CIOs is IT is IT is IT. It was a little bit uh, transition learning the culture, but... Being a military organization, I was familiar with it uh, working over at Air Force and also working in DOD and knowing the military mission and the um, capabilities that we do from a warfighter standpoint. And that, that was, again, uh, what excited me about coming on board. The IT, yes, IT is very similar in many ways, but then the actual mission that we do is different in applying the information technology. And I know that's really what our conversation is about today is, is how the Coast Guard is really taking the technology to a new level and applying it. So that being said, it has actually been uh, probably more than five years since I've had the Coast Guard CIO on my Ask the CIO program. So one, it's great to have you guys back on. But let, so let me start at some older priorities to catch up on a few things. Let me turn to Admiral Lunday to start, I guess. One of the big things back then 
was helping the Coast Guard cutters, other ships really apply intelligence to their mission. This kind of is part cyber, but other broader intelligence as well. Just give me a, an update of what's happening in that world and what kind of benefits is the Coast Guard seeing? Well, Jason, we've made significant progress and we're continuing to move along that path that Admiral Day talked about when he was here five years ago. Uh, intelligence drives our operations, and so that rests on a strong foundation of C4IT and how we use technology is important to that. And the Coast Guard has continued our significant efforts to recapitalize a lot of our aging assets. We've got cutters out there that are more than 50 years old. So we take a look at the new cutters that are coming on board. The National Security Cutter has been a game changer for us, and it's on board not only the inherent technology and how that cutter operates, but the onboard intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance, sensor systems, and suites and capabilities really get us to the point where intelligence is driving operations. The fast response cutter has also been a game changer for us as that comes on as a very capable asset uh, operating around the United States and well offshore. And then as we begin the next acquisition, which is the offshore patrol cutter, it will be the largest acquisition in Coast Guard history. And it also will rely heavily on the same embedded technology and ISR systems to provide that decision advantage in operations. From where you guys sit as both acting CIO, head of uh, Cyber Command for U.S. Coast Guard, how much do you deal with the cutters and the technology? Are you more or less support, meaning you got to make sure that the bandwidth is there and then they can get to the cloud if you're using the cloud or, or some sort of data center? Or are you actually really deep in the embedded side of it saying, do they meet the standards we put out there? Do they meet the cybersecurity standards? Do they meet the, the acquisition standards? So, Admiral Lunde, start off. Well, we're actually involved in both. So on the operations side from Coast Guard Cyber, my responsibility is to operate and defend Coast Guard networks, telecommunications, and make sure that those capabilities are there for the cutter. And so we're heavily involved in that side. We also are involved in the mission support side when there are disruption to communications or problems, then we've got to be able to provide that solution on the mission support side uh, to assure that mission. Brian, jump in. As we uh, are moving forward, it's essential that we have both the information assurance components, also with the cyber operations, which uh, CG Cyber supports. And one of the fundamental things that we, we are doing is, in addition to supporting the systems, we're also looking at information technology as an enterprise mission platform, just as a ship is a platform, just as um, aviation are platforms out there. And what we mean by that is actually providing the support um, to the ships, to the aviation community, to our administrative capabilities, so that we have the appropriate tools at our, at our hands, whether that's the applications. We do do the development of the applications and the operations of that, including all the traditional aspects of data centers and uh, networking. And with CG Cyber now, we've moved the help desk capabilities, or, our service center, over to um, customer support center, over to Cyber Command at this point. That also then helps us align very well with the DOD information network, which is otherwise known as DOD, and we are a part of that, and we're supporting that capability as we go forward. Admiral Linde, one thing comes to mind is as you talked about the new cutters that are coming on, and as you're saying, you know, the fast response one or some of the uh, other cutters, are they being fitted with technology that maybe is ahead of where you are in the back end? And is that of concern, or, or do you have to catch your back end up at about the same time that those cutters are launched? It, it's a great question, and I think we've got a great uh, approach so far that's enabled us to stay connected with some of the advanced technology we're looking at. So I mentioned the national security cutter and some of its onboard capabilities. For example, we're, we've been testing uh, short-range cutter-based unmanned aerial systems, or UASs, uh, as those cutters patrol deep uh, in the Western Hemisphere offshore areas. Uh, combating transnational criminal organizations. And so as they do that, 
we've got to have the technology in place, including the communications pipelines and capability to do the processing, exploitation, and dissemination of the information or take coming off the UAS. And so we're in a good process to move forward with that, but we're continuing to move forward with some ongoing transformation to make sure that everything we do is deeply rooted in, in bedrock requirements, and those requirements drive the acquisition, which then tie into sustainment. And we're doing that across the board in a systems approach. I know we'll jump into some of the IT transformation stuff in a little while, but l- let me jump over to a kind of a related topic, and, and this is a, another older priority. Uh, and this one was around the Coast Guard's data center consolidation, the data center, I guess, modernization effort, and the move to the cloud. Uh, I know at the time, again, 2012 timeframe, the Coast Guard was just starting to look for private hosting services for the HR system. Whatever happened with the data center consolidation and then whatever happened with that HR effort? Uh, let's start with Brian. As a military service, we're both part of the DOD information network, and we also work with DHS. So we're looking at the opportunities to team with DOD in terms of cloud computing, but also in the direction where DHS is going in cloud computing. One of the things that we've um, done is we've actually consolidated our data centers for the Surface Force Logistics Center and the Aviation Logistics Center into our main operations system center. And that's helped us to improve the performance of some of the systems and also to standardize on the operations and maintenance of some of the systems. As we go further from that, we're also um, teaming with DHS to provide uh, a department-level financial management services capability and utilizing the services that DHS will provide there. And that then leads us into the next steps of going to the cloud. With the data center consolidation, it primes us to be able to to leverage the cloud much better, starting out with areas of disaster recovery and then moving out into the capabilities of application support and uh, infrastructure support further. Brian, you, you talked about the consolidation of the data centers. I know DHS has been down that path as well, but you also take advantage of the cloud from, from DOD. Give me a sense of, of, are you guys comfortable with the cloud? Are you guys moving into the cloud? Is it mostly a, a what we'll call a private cloud, meaning like DoD has mo- mainly private clouds, and they're just starting to look at commercial, or are you guys comfortable enough with certain data to, to move into the commercial world? We're looking at all the opportunities, and it comes down to the sensitivity of the information. And based on that, we'll look at opportunities to leverage the FedRAM capabilities, but we also have to leverage the classified side. And that's where there's uh, advantages on DOD at a level four, level five capability. So we're going to look at the different opportunities and assess what the best opportunity is for using that, whether that is a commercial cloud, a government uh, cloud, or a hybrid cloud between those. And Admiral Linde, since you get to support the cybersecurity side of this, what is your take on the cloud? Is that something that you are comfortable with from a cyber perspective? Well, I think Certainly movement to some cloud services is absolutely going, it's absolutely essential and it will be inevitable. So we've got to be comfortable with it and how we're going to manage it uh, from a cybersecurity perspective. And that gets to our relationship with the cloud service provider and ensuring that that arrangement and that agreement for those services meets all of our requirements on the cybersecurity side. Brian, going forward, for instance, DHS has been big on, about putting, for instance, email in the cloud. You guys are taking advantage of that? Where are you guys with, with kind of some of the collaboration, the email, the test and development. Is that something you guys are down that path already? Well, to um, uh, highlight one aspect, I want to uh, go back a little bit. In January of this year, the Secretary of Homeland Security and Secretary of Defense signed a memorandum of, of agreement. And with that, from a military standpoint, we are using the defense, Department of Defense Information Network known as DODEN. So we have, have an agreement that we will... Pr- be on that network and also then 
uh, comply with the standards on that side. So at this point, as you probably know, DHS is, is looking at cloud opportunities and email opportunities, but DOD is also looking at cloud and email opportunities. So as part of DODEN, at this point for the Coast Guard, we'll be moving forward with um, uh, DOD in the direction of JIE, the Joint Information Environment, and then also supporting those capabilities, of which one of those will be the future of the office capabilities. And we could talk all day about GIE, GRSS, but we won't. Instead, we'll take a quick break. My guests today are Brian Burns, the acting CIO of the Coast Guard, and Rear Admiral Kevin Lunday, the U.S. Coast Guard Commander, Coast Guard Cyber Command. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guests today are Rear Admiral Kevin Lundy, the commander of the Coast Guard Cyber Command, and Brian Burns, the acting CIO of the Coast Guard. Now, before break, we talked about some older priorities. We talked a little bit about cloud. We talked a little about some of the intelligence use on the Coast Guard cutters. Let me ask one more older kind of priority that, you know, I think everyone is still kind of focused on, which is around mobility. Back in 2012, the Coast Guard was just starting to pilot some iPhones, some Android devices, they start talking about VDI, virtual desktop interface. So, Brian, let me start with you. What's the status of the mobility piece first, then we'll get into VDI? Well, as a military service and, force, and law enforcement agency, mobility is a key component of what we do. And we look at mobility from multiple areas. First of all, maritime radio is a mobility capability that we have to support, and we do support very well. And then that leads into other applications and more traditional what applications that we would look at in terms of land-based applications and so on, that would be PDA devices. So right now, where we are is um, whether we're a, a boarding officer, a marine inspector, a recruiter, we're looking at opportunities to develop new applications that would be more handheld or ubiquitous as we move forward. That can be used on whether it's a cutter, a boat, an aircraft, or for deployable specialized forces. As part of the Dota network, we are right now in the process of implementing Windows 10, and rolling that out uh, within the deadline specified by the Department of Defense. The next phase after that will be the virtual desktop interface, or VDI. And that will allow us to actually uh, provide more robust security in terms of, of having virtualization and also the capability of having more remote access, which even leads into telecommuting capabilities and so on. And then even beyond that, the next level will be with the Internet of Things, wearable devices, and more mobile devices as we go forward. So we're taking it in, in pieces as we go, making sure that we have the priorities set in terms of what is most mission essential for operational capabilities, starting with maritime radio as a mobile strategy. Because of mobility and, and how just it's everywhere, everyone has a mobile device, as you're recruiting new members of the Coast Guard, new members of the, of the service, do they want the mobile device? Are they asking, okay, where's my iPhone? Where's my Droid device? And when can I develop apps at Rolanda? First, bringing anyone in is about attracting the right talent. And so uh, we've got to have a technology base, including mobile computing, that you know people want to come work for the Coast Guard and serve their country. Uh, they want to know that the Coast Guard's got the latest technology, and, and it, it's what they're expecting to see from a top government agency like the Coast Guard. I think the, and that starts with how we recruit people. You know, so we want our recruiters to be able to walk around and talk to a young person and then recruit them and get all that paperwork done or even in far from the recruit, the traditional recruiting office. And so we've got pilots right now to be able to try and do that. But we know that we're not going to be able to attract the best talent who want to serve their country unless we've got relevant technology that enables them to do their mission, to do their job. So the pilots are good. Uh, some people would say, well, shouldn't you have had a pilot in 2012 or 2011? I mean, 
Do you feel like is the Coast Guard playing a little bit of catch up on, on that area? Well, we are in some cases. Uh, so a lot of the larger services, the larger agencies, have more resources and more capital to be able to do those, to already implement those kind of technologies in their recruiting. But in some cases, we learn by being able to adopt some of the proven practices based on the research and development and testing they've already done. And that's what we're doing with our pilots. We've looked at other military service approaches, and we're piloting for our own use some of the technology that's already proven for their recruiting. But we will get there. Going back to something that Brian said as well, you talked about the, the move to Windows 10. What's the status of the Windows 10 implementation? How much progress are you making, Brian? Just can you give us an update? Right now we are uh, in the test mode for the new Windows secure host baseline that DISA has developed, and uh, we're at the version 10.1. We're at the point of um, going into an initial operating concept for that. And then our goal is to have that completed for our um, CG1 network and our Cipernet network by March of this coming year. So we're uh, full forward ahead in our development and our testing, and then also our deployment at this point will be uh, continuing pretty soon. And Admiral Lunday, this must be good news for you too, because what I've heard from talking to other uh, military services and other agencies about Windows 10 is the security is just much better. And then as Brian said, it can lead you down to VDI, which then takes you another level of security. So talk a little about Windows 10 from, from your perspective. Well, from an operational perspective, it's absolutely essential for us. And as Brian mentioned, we are on track to meet the Secretary of Defense's deadline to have enterprise, uh, the enterprise services migrated to Windows 10 by the end of March of 2018. For us, it does give us that secure baseline. It enables us to take all of the outmoded and outdated IT and, uh, and operating systems that are out there and move them to that common baseline that is much more capable and much more secure. So it's essential to giving us the, the terrain, our own networks that are part of the overall DoD information networks, that we can both operate and defend those and then maneuver inside of them against adversary threats. And let me switch back to Brian for a second, because you talk about the March deadline for Windows 10. From there, do you expect to go as VDI next? Where do you see VDI coming in? Because I think virtual desktop interface, again, it has so many benefits. Our goal, as I said, is right now to uh, roll out Win 10. And then we actually are in parallel right now doing VDI remote for our teleworking or remote connections. And we're uh, increasing that capability as, as we roll out Win 10 in parallel. Our goal beyond that will be to go to the next step and begin to do the virtualization of the desktop. And that'll, that'll help us in furthering, enhancing our security platform and actually, quite frankly, helping us with the management of our infrastructure as we go forward. Admiral Linda. The changes that you asked about and that Brian describes, Windows 10, virtual desktop interface, and moving forward, looking at cloud, all of that is part of a, a strategic change in how the Coast Guard looks at how it acquires and operates and sustains all of its IT information systems, networks, um, and even its telecommunications. One of the key areas of transformation is taking really a 1990s era collection of computer networks and systems and infrastructure that we have bolted and built things onto. It was originally designed for administrative purposes, and now we rely on it for almost every part of operations and mission support across the Coast Guard. We are modernizing not only our approach, but actually all of that technology into a strategic asset, a capital asset, like a fleet of cutters, boats, or aircraft, what we call an enterprise mission platform. And so we think of Windows 10 and this current ongoing effort as really the discrete first phase of that modernization. The virtual desktop interface will be another follow-on phase. And then the movement to the joint information environment 
is another phase of that. And so all of that is part of an ongoing modernization effort to invest in and treat all of our IT networks, infrastructure, information systems, and communications as an enterprise mission platform. Brian. Yeah, if you recall, for those of us who were around uh, during Y2K, this is almost like an opportunity to look at it from that perspective. 17, 18 years ago, we had a variety of applications. Back then, it was more client-server. And with Y2K coming in, we had to look at the applications and get them to the next level. We're doing a similar thing with Win10 today. So as Admiral Lundy mentioned, this is an opportunity to look at the applications, to look at where we are, to look at what we can go in the future and enhance and the capabilities from an operational standpoint and to streamline some of those capabilities. So we're going to look at that, and then we're going to go to VDI because if we can look at the applications and understand the environment better from that perspective, that will even lead us further down the road for VDI versus just going to VDI in the same environment. So there is a lot of advantage of going to Win10 not only from a standpoint of security, but it's also from a standpoint of your inventory, your assets, and also from the standpoint of uh, performance and costs in the uh, organization. And, you know, to Brian's point, that's more than just about security. That's about sound financial management and ensuring we can pass, pass the audit and make sure that we have the right IT general controls in place. For us, that's what, what we call our mission support business model, that we have configuration control, uh, total asset visibility, bi-level maintenance, and standardized service delivery across all of our IT. You bring up this transformation effort, and that's actually leads us down the path to the new priorities and, and looking forward a little bit. I know the Coast Guard back in, uh, I guess, the April timeframe actually issued a request for information uh, around the transformation of technology networks. I, I think I wrote a short piece about it, and it was very, it was just a fascinating read. I know, Brian, maybe jump in and, and talk a little bit about that RFI, what came from it, and then we'll head down the path of new priorities. So right now in, in April, we released an RFP for the application product line, Enterprise Services 2. That is our application to look at how we develop service-oriented delivery and technology, how we look at uh, continuous improvement and innovation, and look at how we can actually use agile computing moving forward. We really want to be able to streamline the way we deliver applications more rapidly, faster, and time to operational support. The Apple's contract is a way to do that. We're looking to have the award hopefully in the November timeframe of this year as we go forward. And that will help us lead into managing the applications that we support today, but also developing the new new applications that we need to support. So going forward, several things that we're looking at. First of all, as I mentioned earlier, we have an agreement between the Secretary of Defense and the Secretary of Homeland Security for DOD support of the information network for the U.S. Coast Guard. So we are embracing the risk management framework that DOD has developed and the cybersecurity workforce capabilities. And, and even with that, we're developing the, the capabilities uh, in the direction that DHS is going in DOD. And that really brings us to, with the risk management framework, it brings us to supporting a variety of things, the DOD Defense Enterprise Service Management Framework, and that, that, that then leads us into the mission support business model that we have within the Coast Guard, which allows us to look at the configuration management, the product line management, our, our bi-level support, whether operational, um, and also the total asset visibility. So what we're trying to do at this point is really get a better understanding of the operational environment, um, align it with the DOD capabilities and requirements, and as we go forward then with the new contracts to have that capability to 
have the resources available to support that capability. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, let's dig into some of those priorities a little bit. My guests today are Brian Burns, the Acting Chief Information Officer of the Coast Guard, and Rear Admiral Kevin Lundy, the Commander of Coast Guard Cyber Command. I'm your host, Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guests today are Rear Admiral Kevin Lundy, the Commander of Coast Guard Cyber Command, and Brian Burns, the Acting Chief Information Officer of the Coast Guard. Now, before break, we're getting into priorities. Brian laid out a bunch of priorities, and every time he said something, all I can think of is cyber, cybersecurity, risk management framework, total asset management. So, uh, Admiral Lundy, this is why you're here. Talk a little bit about the cyber strategy you guys released in 2015. You guys have about a year and a half, two years into it now. Where you're at with it, give us some updates. Well, the Commandant released that strategy in June of 2015, and in it, the first thing he said was, cyberspace is an operational domain for the Coast Guard. Two years later, we're just beginning to realize how profound and important a statement that is, and we've come a long way since that time in understanding uh, the importance of that statement. I'll get a little bit more into that. But in that strategy, the Commandant set forth three priorities. Number one, to defend cyberspace, defend our own networks. We are .mil. We're part of the DoD Information Networks. And we've got to have secure and resilient op, uh, networks that our operators can rely on. Number two, enable Coast Guard operations in maritime and air domain and on land by ensuring we, are, we can do what's needed in cyberspace. And then third, protect maritime critical infrastructure and the maritime transportation system, which carries over $4 trillion in commerce essential to U.S. economic security and prosperity every year. And that's a core Coast Guard mission. So as we look at that strategy, what we realized was we are only going to achieve the Commandant's goal when we take all 227 years of Coast Guard operating experience in the maritime domain and over a century in the air domain, and we bring that operational ethos, doctrine, concepts, and proven way to conduct operations and achieve mission execution into cyberspace. Now, that cyber strategy came out in June, and of course, as everyone knows, we went through the OPM intrusion in that fall and the federal cyber sprint across government, and the Coast Guard was part of that. And as we were involved in that, the Commandant established a team to take a very careful and deliberate look, Coast Guard Cyber and Chief Information Officer and C4IT functions uh, from stem to stern. And that group, led by a senior executive, spent a year doing that, and they delivered recommendations last fall. And this January, senior leadership in the Coast Guard directed action across 16 broad initiatives to achieve those goals. Today, we call that execution, the Coast Guard cyber program. If you think of the strategies, mostly the ends, then the cyber program are the ways and means by which we'll accomplish those ends. There are five elements to the cyber program. The first one, establish the Coast Guard as the leader for cybersecurity and the maritime transportation system. Uh, the Coast Guard already has that role for all threats, all hazards uh, for the maritime transportation system, and cyber is just one of those. So positioning the service to be able to do that is critically important to be a world leader for maritime cybersecurity. The second one is organizing ourselves for operations and mission support in this new operational domain of cyberspace. We've talked already about our alignment with DOD cybersecurity standards in cyberspace operations. So every day as Commander Coast Guard Cyber Command, I receive orders and direction from Admiral Rogers as Commander U.S. Cyber Command and from Lieutenant General Lynn as Commander Joint Force Headquarters DOD Information Networks to defend the Coast Guard's part of the DOD Information Networks and we execute those orders. And so that's organizing ourselves for that operational profile. The third element is developing a cyberspace workforce. We've got to attract and retain the best talent 
both on the operations side and the mission support side for the future. The fourth one is generating the first operating forces for cyberspace. First, the Coast Guard took disparate elements that conducted IT operations and cybersecurity, and we formed them together into a Coast Guard Cyber Network Operations and Security Center that does both operation and defense of our networks, and it provides that cybersecurity service provider function. We've also begun to generate and build the Coast Guard first cyber protection team that is organized, trained, and equipped to the same joint standards as the DOD Cyber Mission Force teams. And we received a significant boost and support from both Congress and the administration with the FY17 appropriations that provided $4.5 million for 64 positions to fill out the Coast Guard cyber capability, including 24 of those which will go to build our cyber protection team this year. Now, I mentioned joint standards, but our cyber protection team, we're small, we're multi-mission. One of those squads of that team, an extra squad, has already been detailed. In fact, actually, our first squad, it's been detailed into the DHS hunt and incident response teams that are responsible for protecting critical infrastructure across all sectors. And that just reinforces, again, although we're aligned to DOD, we're part of DHS, and we're part of that DHS national mission. Jason, the final element is that modernization piece. We're going to modernize our outdated networks, IT, and infrastructure into an enterprise mission platform that we invest in as a capital asset of the organization, just like our fleet of cutters, boats, and aircraft. And so that's the Coast Guard Cyber Program, and that's where we've come since the strategy was released in June of 2015. All right, so there's a whole lot to unpack there. Let me start at the easy one, cyber workforce piece. Have you guys looked through your workforce and pulled Coasties and others in and said, okay, you do X, Y, and Z, but a big part of X is cyber and a big part of Y is cyber. You're now reclassified, if you will, as a cyber person. Is that something you guys have started to do, Admiral Lundy? So part of our alignment is to the DOD cyberspace workforce standards as well. So the Coast Guard is taking that framework that the Department of Defense is putting in place and how it categorizes its workforce, including all the military services. We're going to apply that into our own cyberspace workforce. What makes that different for the Coast Guard is that we've traditionally, up to this point, viewed cyber as just the operational piece, and then the C4IT is the mission support and the engineering side. But we know, looking at the DoD framework, that when we say cyberspace workforce, uh, that's the cyber IT, the traditional C4IT, that's the cybersecurity, the cyber effects, and the cyber intelligence. So it's a very broad categorization, and we're in the process now of recategorizing our workforce into that framework, which maps to the national framework from the National Initiative for Cybersecurity Education. I think the other piece that's important is that the Coast Guard, like the other military services, is taking a total force approach. Active duty and reserve, civilian or auxiliarists, supported by a contract workforce of specialists. But that total force approach is absolutely essential, and we believe, particularly in areas like the reserve component, it'll be a force multiplier for us and our ability to attract and retain the best talent. And this leads us down the path of what's really exciting is the first operating forces for cyberspace. And you talk about the $4.5 million you all got in 2017 for the 64 positions. Have you been able to hire all those positions? Have you been able to find qualified people who can come in? We're actually making great progress on very short timeline to fill those positions. So with civilian hires, uh, we've created those positions. Uh, they will soon uh, go out on USA Jobs. Uh, for hiring, and we're looking to attract and, and, and get the best people on board as part of those operating teams. On the military side, that system allows us to assign people very quickly, and we're doing that as well. And 
one of the things that really enables us to get the best talent is our mission. I mean, you think not only is the Coast Guard a military service, but we also do so many other things that is relevant to the nation and it's meaningful uh, public service and uh, service to the country. And so we were able to get the best talent. And and then what we see also is there are people that are moving on to, to different things or for they make those life choices. But if we can give them options, like staying affiliated with the Coast Guard Reserve, that provides a means for them to continue to serve the Coast Guard and serve their nation. And so that's why the total force approach is very important. And by creating this Coast Guard cyber force, you are dedicating people, as you said, both network defense, security operation defense. How's that been working so far? How big of a change is it? I mean, is this a total 180 from where you were? You, I'm sure the Coast Guard always did network and security defense, but is it more integrated? Is that the change? Is it is it more coordinated? Give me a sense of, of what the difference is. I think the main change for the Coast Guard is to really meet the commandant's intent that we treat cyberspace as an operational domain. So we think about the cyber protection team. It's different for us because rather than the the standard cybersecurity service provider function, the cyber protection team will maneuver inside our network against threats that are in the network. So this concept of maneuver in the network, like maneuver in other domains, is different or it's new for many people. It's not new for U.S. Cyber Command and the Cyber Mission Force. They've been doing that work for years. But part of this is understanding how we do that in the Coast Guard, and that's what the cyber protection team does. Beyond maneuvering in our network against adversaries, it will also provide that expert support and advice to Coast Guard operational commanders in the physical domains, the sector commander and captain of the port that are around the nation that are our center of gravity for protecting the maritime transportation system. And our cyber protection team will give them advice on overseeing and managing incidents when they involve a cyber component. At the same time, having the cyber structure set up by making the domain, it also trickles down into the other domains, maritime, as you mentioned, air, and getting those commanders and, and those COCs to kind of view cyber as, I don't have to just worry about, okay, is it, is it a land or a sea problem, but now what's the cyber problem? That's exactly right. And so part of what we're doing at, at Coast Guard Cyber is we're bringing not just uh, traditional C4IT officers, those with an engineering background or cryptologic background, intel background. We're bringing in traditional operators, line operators, cuttermen, aviators, planners, marine inspectors and investigators. We're going to bring those disciplines, those operational disciplines into Coast Guard Cyber because that will help us infuse that operational culture. And as they return to their primary operational specialty, they'll bring that understanding of cyberspace as an operational domain. It is a challenge because we don't always think of it as an operational domain. My analogy is aviation. We, The Wright brothers first took to powered flight in 1906 with the help of some Coast Guardsmen at the local surf station, which is part of the history, by the way. But aviation didn't become an operational domain for the military until World War I, when the military used it for navigation, to drop grenades and then bombs and then aerial combat. The moment it became a a realm of human conflict and interaction that made it an operational domain. Cyber is that way. Cyberspace is a difficult, challenging engineering problem all of the time. But it is truly an, a realm of interaction and conflict with adversaries and cooperation with partners. And that's why it's an operational domain. There's a ton going on there. We could talk about it all day, but unfortunately, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we can uh, talk about the other things you guys are working on. My guests today are Rear Admiral Kevin Lundy, the commander of the Coast Guard Cyber Command. 
Brian Burns, the acting CIO of the Coast Guard. I'm your host, Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guests today are Rear Admiral Kevin Lundy, the commander of Coast Guard Cyber Command, and Brian Burns, the acting chief information officer for the Coast Guard. Now, Admiral Lundy, before break, we were talking about the cyber strategy. You went through a host of things you guys are doing around cybersecurity. But one thing occurred to me that as you took when we talk about cybersecurity, you got to talk about privacy as well. Those two things go hand in hand. Talk a little bit about the Coast Guard's efforts around privacy to really ensure that you're both secure but also private. Jason, one of the initiatives under the Coast Guard Cyber Program implementation is to take a very close look at how the Coast Guard performs its Privacy, Freedom of Information Act, and records management functions to take those programs and to renew them to prepare the Coast Guard for the future. And the privacy is particularly important. The Coast Guard has got to be able to safeguard the privacy of its own people and the public whose information we're entrusted with during a time of increased risk to personal privacy, whether it's from cyberspace threats or, or you know, loss of PII and all of the risks that, that surround the loss of personal information, personal identifiable information. So we have to have a strong and robust program, particularly in the area of privacy. Can you give me a sense of how you're looking to renew that? Because one of the things, for instance, FOIA is one example, has been really a lot of agencies have struggled with. They've seen a huge increase in the number of FOIA requests. Most agencies have moved to the electronic side, but then those systems get overwhelmed. Just give me a sense of what types of projects maybe fall under this privacy push? So for all of those, we're going to take a, a look at the processes we currently use to process requests, whether it's for privacy or Freedom of Information Act. We want to make sure we've got those processes streamlined and we're using the, the best processes and the best technology to be able to uh, make sure we're most responsive to those requests that come in. On the privacy side, we need to make sure that the privacy shop in the Coast Guard is not only performing its statutory and regulatory obligations and policy requirements, but that also it serves inside the Coast Guard as a privacy advocate, a voice for privacy, so that when we're making broader policy decisions, we have someone clearly that is articulating the privacy concern and interests that informs that decision, whatever the issue for the Coast Guard. So, Brian, that, uh, Admiral Linda gives me the perfect segue to ask the question about innovation. When usually you talk about cybersecurity and privacy, innovation is not the next word that you think of, because a lot of people think, well, innovation is, is the carte blanche to do whatever I want. But you guys have to be innovative. We talked earlier about recruiting Coasties and ensuring that they're the best talented ones available. Talk about innovation, how you're promoting that from the CIO's perspective. So continuing on from the area of privacy, at the end of the day, it's all about the information. It's about making sure we have the confidentiality, the integrity, and the availability of the information. And that really leads us into the innovative capabilities moving forward. And let me give you some examples, um, a little bit different approach in terms of um, where we're looking at this. From an operational standpoint, first of all, industry leads innovation. So we're looking to industry to really help us in that area. As we look at our missions, for instance, in the Arctic, we're looking really forward to the construction of the new heavy icebreakers. And we'll need to innovate a lot of the capabilities in that operating domain. That'll be looking at technologies that'll help us with the remoteness of that area, the high latitudes where we have to put new technology in, new satellite communication capabilities as we're going forward. So as we're looking at this, we are looking at is how do we apply these operational capabilities forward? If we look at technology and look at our, our um, search and rescue, if we look at our interdiction capabilities, areas in terms of um, UAVs is a, is a key area and looking at sensor technology. So whether it's from identify new opportunities to improve operational productivity from as simple as 
wireless capability in the supply management chain to UAV sensor technology and new networking, we're looking to make sure that we have the technology at hand, leveraging what industry is developing and putting it against the operational needs that we have. Now, it's interesting you brought up UAVs. That's a huge technology push. Uh, I, I hear from a lot of CIOs, uh, things like artificial intelligence, machine learning as an emerging technology. And then I'm starting to hear just a little bit about this thing called blockchain. So uh, where do you sit with some of these other emerging technologies like like artificial intelligence and machine learning? So the Coast Guard has a, uh, an innovation program that is renewing our look at how we prepare ourselves to take in more rapidly new developments in technology like the ones you mentioned. A part of that's having the strong basis and, and foundation that we're standing on so that we can rapidly adopt and assimilate technologies like uh, wearable endpoint devices, robotics, AI, uh, big data solutions. Uh, those are all important. Uh, our ability to, to prepare the ground to accept those is important. And then we've got to look to industry, and then we've got to look to where Department of Defense, Department of Homeland Security are going as well, so that we've got uh, areas of cooperation and collaboration so we can do it at scale and, uh, and much more efficiently. The other piece I think that's important is we're going to be able to use technology probably in ways in the next 15 years that we can't imagine today. Let's take big data. I, th I think we, we understand now that we have information requirements and we collect and we manage and we use information to meet those requirements. But big data offers the opportunity to gain insights from data sets that we don't even know what questions to ask it yet. So we're only beginning to be able to use our imagination on how we're going to use that opportunity it provides. We've got to be ready for it. And Brian, from your perspective, do you provide any kind of, if you will, a sandbox for people to try things out? If someone comes to you with this great idea, I mean, you can't be you know, the old CIO no, right? You have to give them an ability to be yes. So is there something you're doing that says, okay, how do we put take innovation and test it out? Not, you know, an alpha, not a, even a beta. Within the Coast Guard, we have a research and development center. So there is an ability to look at new technologies, whether it's, uh, innovation or whether it's even uh, disruptive technologies and look at how we can apply those technologies within the organization. All right, very nice. Uh, plenty to talk to, plenty more to talk about, so we'll have to have you guys back on sooner than five years. But unfortunately, we are out of time for today. I'd like to thank my guests, Rear Admiral Kevin Lundy, the commander of the Coast Guard Cyber Command and assistant commandant for Command, Control, Communications, Computers, and Information Technology. Admiral Lundy, thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you, Jason. Also thank Brian Burns, the Acting Chief Information Officer and Acting Deputy Assistant Commandant for C4IT at the U.S. Coast Guard. Brian, thank you as well. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Ask the CIO on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. You've been listening to Ask the Chief Information Officer on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. Subscribe to this show on Podcast One or iTunes. 